Hi, this is David Yaz of the Boston Podcast Network. We hope you are staying safe, sound, and sane as this year continues to drag on and we do all that we have to do to get through this pandemic. Well, how about this? If you want to be on a Zoom call that isn't dreadfully boring, please join us for Zoomapalooza, an interactive adventure of fun, games, comedy, and who knows what else. Tickets are absolutely free or hire us for your next office or corporate event. Just visit pod617.com slash Zoom. That's pod617.com slash Zoom. Now enjoy the following production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves, welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. If you like this podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Share it with a friend. It's the podcast where we tell the stories of your city through the voices of your city. Those voices still nice and loud right through all those Zoom calls. Anyway, confess, yes, the guest is on Zoom, as uh, as will happen. Uh, a lot of virtual stuff still happening, although I'll say the studios at pod617.com are open and if you want your own podcast go to pod617.com and we can get started and we do everything for you that's what we do here but today 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 i have a cool guest we like to feature people who do interesting things with interesting companies this one qualifies big time so deanna sheridan is with me she is the general counsel and vp at spartan race those crazy people who crawl through the mud or something anyway deanna's here congratulations good morning it's great to be here Thanks. You've made it to the Boston podcast, Deanna. You've hit, you've hit, the, you've hit the big time. <laughs> yeah, so, thank goodness. How has, how has your pandemic been so far? A roller coaster, but that's really not any different than what life was like before the pandemic. So mm-hmm, right. I would like to uh, thank Spartan Race for giving me that training mm-hmm. to take all of this in stride as much as I can. So it's been an interesting year for sure. Um, so the, the, but. the year has in sort in a uh, matter of speaking, been a symbolically a Spartan race of its own. That's what, that's where you were going with that. Right? I, I mean, being the head of the legal department for Spartan race is a Spartan race of its own. Right. Um, there are a lot of analogies on a daily basis to climbing over and under and through obstacles, but I feel like we felt like we were crossing a finish line and then we found out there was another Spartan race at the end. So it's, it's, we, the company itself has pivoted a lot and it's been to focus on the positive, it's been exciting times to try and figure out how to make sure that I and my team are helping support a business that is, we're all impacted by this shutdown, but the fitness industry for sure has been pretty impacted. So yeah, it sucks. a wild ride. It does provide a convenient excuse for those that haven't found the time to work out as much as they should have. Hello, self. I mean, the the gym, the best excuse is you don't have to go to the gym because the gyms are closed or limited or whatever they are. But what? So what has Spartan Race done? Let me ask you that. I mean, I think sure. most, I don't think I need to tell our listeners sort of what you're all about. But you correct me if I'm wrong on this explanation. In in a nutshell, it's it is of course a race. It's a fitness challenge, and I take it you have many events per year available for hire for corporations looking to do team building and things like that? 
Give me a nutshell. Some method. of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you got about 90% of it. So okay. we can hire you That's for okay. our marketing team next if the <laughs> podcasting falls through. <laughs> so you, yeah, you nailed it. It's, we do our, our main race type that we became known for. We started about 10 years ago and we do obstacle course races around the world. A lot of people um, don't know either that we're based in Boston or that we're a truly global business and operate in 43 countries now. And both of which are true and make things interesting for me. But we have obstacle course races that are anywhere from a 5k and 20 obstacles to 13 plus miles, 26 plus miles with 100 obstacles. And for the for the truly nutty folks that really want to challenge themselves and push themselves past their limits. Mm. And it incorporates mud and barbed wire and lots of camaraderie and you know teamwork and community. People can sign up on their own. You don't need to sign up with a corporate team. We I would say the vast majority of folks come with a few friends or family members, but that we have really committed elite racers that structure their lives around running a Spartan race every other weekend and are really competitive about it. So that's our sort of main focus. And then we've really expanded a lot in the last few years to trail running. Mm-hmm. We've grown both um, organically and through acquisition to become, I believe, the world's biggest trail running operator, at least pre-COVID, and as well as mountain bike races and we have a new sort of CrossFit style functional fitness uh, mm-hmm. program called DecaFit that we'll be rolling out. And I can talk about some of the other yeah, um, things I, that we do now, but that was sort of what we were poised to really unleash upon the world back in February. Yeah. And then little did we know. So, yeah. I mean, I have friends that are event planners and I just, it, it just sickens me to think what their life must be like. It, it must be like uh, not much to do really. And the, Interesting thing was when you described the Spartan race, I love how you said there's mud, there's barbed wire, and there's camaraderie. I mean, that's the, the, fir- the first two, the first two, I guess, <laughs> beget the third. But but I want to hear how you've pivoted in, in the land of the pandemic. But, but three suggestions for future hazards that you can pass on to your colleagues at Spartan race. Quicksand. Okay, see, I, I'm wondering what happened to quicksand. It used to be in every movie I watched as a kid. This when, is true. You, you know, yeah. you, you always, the, the and who knows what quicksand really is, but it's, I guess it's this natural phenomena where you fall into something that sort of looks like water, sort of looks like sand, and then you can't get out and you die unless there's, but then unless there's, there's a, that magical like vine that just happens to be lying near you. And the then you con- know that you can grab onto it. The convenient vine. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> Famously. The deus ex machina. That's which right. Is a vine. Oh, excellent literary reference. My, my, my creative writing teacher used to accuse me of deus ex machina all the time that my, my protagonist would be stuck surrounded by gang members and then a helicopter would fly down and he'd jump on it. So you can't do that. So, it happens. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, quicksand. Yeah. In the movie, The Princess Bride, Wesley famously used one of those big vines to rescue Buttercup, of course. Yes, um, correct. And the second thing would be Kenny G music played really loudly at various points Ooh, during the race. That would definitely challenging. be challenging one for yep. me. Now, I don't know how much that would increase our music licensing costs. Yep. So I'll have to look into that. <laughs> I bet you could get them cheaper um, than most, but, but you may true, be right. True, true. Yeah. And then the last one, fat-free, fat-free cream cheese. People should have to crawl through that stuff. It's disgusting. Yeah, that might be a crime yeah. against humanity. We then might have can... to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're the lawyer. Yeah. So, um, 
kidding aside, the the it was such a um, breath of fresh air when it came along in the in the fitness world. I want to say it, this probably goes back 10 years. What what year was the company founded? Yeah, I mean, Joe DeSenner, our CEO, really started the the concept, the sort of seed for Spartan Race about 20 years ago. Okay. The brand itself was created around um, 2010, and our first event was in Vermont, very close to his farm. Mm-hmm. And it really grew rapidly from there. I mean, it started off as truly a sort of a New England local mud run type event company. And Tough Mudder was the biggest competitor, especially in those early days of the obstacle course race industry, which we refer to in the industry as OCR. It's a very small industry, so it's not a lot of people that use that. (laughs) But And so there was a lot of, it was a big deal when it first happened. You're right. Back in 2010 through, I would say, 2013-14, it was very edgy to have jumping over fire and sort of have all of these events kind of happening on the weekends to really attract people out of the gym and get into the fresh air and sunshine and really be with other folks and do something really challenging for themselves. And one of our taglines is you'll know at the finish line. And I didn't get it until I did my own Spartan race. And you definitely (laughs) feel like you've accomplished something just by finishing. Yeah. So COVID comes along and Mm -hmm. the world changes, of course. And I think you've already sort of teased us on some of the things that Maybe you're still doing, but correct me if I'm wrong, because I know people are still out there hiking trails and doing mountain biking. So or somebody, tell me what of your events are continuing. And Not many. The small okay. ones are continuing, especially in the United States. So we operate our races directly in the United States and Canada and the UK. And outside of those three territories, we have third party partners that operate Spartan events, Spartan licensed events for us. And luckily, in other parts of the globe, people are really continuing. We've had some really successful events recently in in Central Europe, in China, in Southeast Asia, and with some of the other events that are starting to come back, especially in Asia, and just the pandemic and the approach to the pandemic being so different. We're really hopeful that that trend will continue for the rest of the year so that our partners can continue their race seasons. Unfortunately, in the United States, and we've had to cancel our race season, which a typical season would be about 70 events, Mm. give or take. So that's pretty devastating um, for the community and not just for the company. And we've been able to continue with some of our smaller events, which we call hurricane heats. Mm -hmm. And they are group workout style events where we've got 50 people in a field, everybody's spread out and you kind of keep to your little 10 foot quadrant so that we can make sure that we're maintaining social distancing for everybody. Mm -hmm. But the good news about it is that we're really attracting folks to that style of event that might not have been interested or known about it before because people are just so... Um, happy to get out of the house, get out of their neighborhood, go with other folks that really want to just exercise and and be with each other, even if you have to stand six feet away from everybody else in a field. Of course. Yeah. So you being the general counsel for uh, Spartan Race, it, mm-hmm. it's it's must be one of the more interesting jobs for a lawyer anywhere on the planet. And you and I talked about this. We went to the same law school, BU mm-hmm. Law School, tallest law school in the nation, right? It is. I think it's maybe very st- tall. Maybe still. And <laughs> and so I can imagine that this that you talk about something that's ripe for, you know, litigation and given that we live in a I don't know if it's still 
phrased as a litigation crazy society, but it's still a litigation aware society. So what is it like? You, I mean, how many people are suing you over bumps and bruises and the barbed wire was too low and all that business? <laughs> that is probably one of the first questions that I get asked from most yep. folks, including lawyers, when yep. um, I tell people what I do. And it is indeed a wild ride. It it was a dream job for me. So careful what you wish for. Yeah. I so you, Deanna, out... so, sorry to interrupt you, but I should have sure. asked you this before. We, you were a fan of the race generally, like you did the race before. I hadn't know? done a Spartan okay. race before. I was aware of the opportunity to come to Spartan and, and join the legal department. But I, so I'm, I'm a runner. I've done several marathons. I've done Ragnar relays which, I mean, they're a competitive of ours, but they're, it's a little bit different because it's big group relays where you have a team that, that runs long mileage. So I hadn't really done an obstacle course event before and thought that it sounded interesting, but I had found, I had um, heard about Joe DeSena, our CEO, and this like insane guy that was just like putting people through the mud on his farm and, yeah. farm and created this really intense event. And I thought it sounded really interesting and so at my previous company, I had found out about it and thought, oh, that would be really interesting to sort of join the legal department of a company that does this sort of thing on a regular basis. And flash forward a few years in 2016, the general counsel at the time of Spartan called me up and said, I need an AGC. Are you interested? And here I am. Yeah. Uh, so. so generally, I mean, I remember from my some things from my days at law school, but just just basic principles of tort is you can sue for something if someone has been negligent. So if someone does something that a reasonable person, I haven't forgotten the reasonable person standard. I hope it still exists. Excellent. Yep. I'm glad it stuck. <laughs> yep. Very important a in my reason, world. <laughs> reasonable, prudent person, which is definitely redundant, but whatever. So if you were unreasonable in preparing these things. And so to extrapolate it to Spartan race, if you were unreasonable in taking reasonable safety precautions, then that's a for suing. Except the, the question looms for Spartan race, how reasonable is it for the people to sign up for this thing in the first place? Don't we need to judge on their standard of reasonableness? In other exactly. words, yeah, the old legal concept of assumption of the risk. So I imagine that's kind of what you deal with all the time. Is tell me what it's like though. Do you is is it down to the as granular as you like going through the courses and kind of scoping out what will be ultimately deemed irresponsible or or not? Tell me about that. Sure. So I would say a huge part of the risk management part of my job clearly is management of the the safety and risk issues on the courses themselves. And I work really closely with our VP of production, Mike Morris. He's our head of operations and manages the entire team that's building the courses. And that includes the team that is creating and designing the obstacles. We have um, an in-house engineer mm -hmm. um, that's designing the obstacles, make sure that they can withstand high winds. I mean, we're in all kinds of terrain and weather, so it's pretty challenging from a technical standpoint to even build the obstacles. So we walk through every stage of a race and it's not just sort of the race course itself and doing a soup to nuts analysis of the creation of the obstacles, how they get built, making 
sure they get built to spec, what the checklist process looks like on site, you know, what all the other safety mechanisms are on site. Uh, but also making sure that I'm kind of pulling out to a wider lens and looking at, okay, what happens when a customer steps foot on the venue on race day and literally just walking through um, the festival area and they're interacting with our exhibitors and they're interacting with the food and beverage folks and are those speakers secured correctly? And so we have a really comprehensive team that has gotten it down to a science in the last 10 years. And they make my job so much easier because all I have to do is ask questions and tweak things and improve them and make sure I'm getting all the information back to our insurance carriers, which I have my insurance broker on speed dial to make sure that we're doing everything as, as well as possible. And so that aspect of the job, I find really rewarding because there it's just so immediate. There are you know other aspects of the job that are a little more intellectual where I'm looking at T's and C's for our e-commerce side or mm-hmm. something that is um, a, clearly a little bit more on the corporate side. But the risk management side, I truly enjoy because the number one priority is to make sure that the customers are having a safe, fun experience, but then the challenging aspect of it comes next. Yeah. Um, and- Has anything unusual ever happened on one of your courses that you can tell us about. I know a lot. Of oh, that I can tell you about. I'm glad that you put that little disclaimer on the end because yeah. yes, is the the short answer. We've had some interesting stories with animals. Both livestock and wild animals tend to come into play more often than you. Really, would we did have an incident in the UK a few years ago where. The head of our UK um, offices called me after the event, and we had had a pretty sticky contract negotiation with the venue owner, and so it wasn't a warm and fuzzy relationship with the venue owner, and it happened to be a farm, Mm. uh, a large farm in the UK, and apparently one or two of our staff left the gates open and the sheep got out. I wish and, I, I wish uh, I could I wish I could bet on things like this was going to be about sheep. I mean, it's, yeah, it's I think yeah. that was going to be one of the challenges I had to address that right. morning when I got up and went to work. Um, and so it was sort of what's covered in the remediation clause in the contract. Right. And and so and it was interesting because from his perspective, it was this terrible dilemma. And I said, well, how much money are we talking about in terms of the amount of farm hands that it took to round up the sheep. And he said, oh, I think they want to charge us about 900 pounds. And I was like, oh, goodness, just pay it. I think we, we're we okay on that. Right. Um, so it was definitely more of a business relationship challenge than it was from a monetary um, standpoint. And th- those are the anecdotes that I love where it's really odd and definitely adds to the, the daily mix, but it's not something that yeah. takes a long time to address. Here's what you could uh, hear from the course that day. <laughs> Wait, let me play it again. I don't know if they got under the course. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of uh, my son's favorite scenes from Evan Almighty. The Steve Carell gets in the car and looks behind, and in the backseat of the car, there are these three sheep just looking at him. And uh, anyway, uh, I might have to do that for field research for our next in the UK next year. I would recommend it. I mean, people want thrills. Like it's it's it, what's it must make your job interesting, and yet I hope that it doesn't, I mean, it certainly doesn't seem to have slowed down claims against Spartan race and other of these outfits certainly doesn't seem to have slowed them down because this is what people want. This is what people sign up for. And I think it's, I I think it's great because it's one of these, any excuses to exercise. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking 
let's continue to be happy and talk pre-COVID or post-COVID at, at this point. But so, and that racquetball was a sport. It's not really a, it, it still is a sport. It's not, it's not the, it wasn't the most genius. <laughs> they didn't invent- do away with it. Yeah. Right. No, I, as far as I know, although probably a lot less of it being played these, these days, but I mean, someone just said, Hey, let's take the, the game of squash and just make the ball like 10 times more bouncier. And we'll just like smack the crap out of it. And so, but like I would, I have played racquetball with my son and it's just, it's fun and it's a little goofy, but it'll get you out to do that. And these people love a challenge and they love a, a thrill. And so the, I, I thought of you, Deanna, and what you do in the litigation that must've followed over something that happened in 2013. Have you ever heard of Zorb or Zorb ball? Do you know what a Zorb is? So it's, I do not. A Zorb is a huge inflatable ball that a human or humans climb into and then go down a mountain or something or oh, least, those little like hamster ball type things but bigger scale well this this is huge in other words you can yeah. fit two people in these things and if you can picture it it's like a big inflatable raft but it's completely translucent or transparent definitely one of those and you can see through it and so and in this mountain in Russia, you, people would pay, they'd get into these things and they'd go flying down the mountain. And most of the time, a good time was had by all until January of uh, 2013, when one of the Zorb balls and this, sadly, this footage of this on the internet, if you want to look it up, people, but one of the Zorb balls just like got caught up in some wind and just kept uh, drifting way off the course and then over a cliff and, oh, and yeah. And so two men in the Zorb, one of them, I shouldn't laugh. I'm sorry. One of them died from a broken neck, the other badly injured. And it's like, I mean, somebody probably should have seen that coming. <laughs> These giant balls that can get some right. air underneath them. Your outfit wasn't the one that put on the ice skating thing at Fenway, like a couple years ago. No, are okay. you talking about the crashed ice event at Fenway? Is that what that they was, called that it? Was, yeah. yeah, that was a Red Bull event. Um, Red Bull, so, that's right. Well, yeah, makes very, sense. I mean, they're, they're, we're very aware of the Red Bull sort of sports initiatives because there's such a huge overlap in our world. With I theirs. see. But, I, I am, um, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, you, you go ahead, Deanna. Finish the thought. I was, gonna, I was just going to say from, from my perspective, the key difference, just to advocate for Spartan on sure. <laughs> to all the lawyers out there doing the analysis, Right. the key difference is the assumption of the risk is so much more apparent for something like a Spartan race. I mean, you're mm. looking at the barbed wire. And so if there, there's a sort of the notice of risk, everybody signs a waiver, clearly. I mean, yeah, we have waivers these days for 5Ks, let alone for something like a Spartan race. It's a little more challenging. Mm. And you have to train for it. It's not something that you can just get up one morning and decide that you're going to do great one of our 5Ks. They're definitely a 5K event is doable for everyone if you train for it. And then they just get more challenging from there. So it's one of those things that I think it's pretty easy for us to demonstrate, okay, look, some of these people are the best athletes in the world. And this is challenging stuff. I mean, it's really focusing on functional fitness and you have to be able to engage every part of your body mm-hmm. when you're going through a race course. And so I definitely keep my eye on other injury cases like that in the sports world, mm-hmm. but you'd be surprised how little litigation that we've had knock on wood, yeah, knock on- in, in with regards to the personal injury claims, just because number one, people are really passionate about our events. And so sure. if it's, a twisted ankle or something like that. We have customers that just kind of check in and 
you know, say, Hey, I need to get a race transfer to another event. Once Mm -hmm. I'm healed, see you out in the course. And so I think that there's that branding and that connection with the customer comes in as such a key component of that. In addition to all the risk mitigation um, efforts that we use. Now I take it the participants do sign a document, a legal disclaimer. Mm -hmm. What, what maybe do people not understand about, are there any myths around the legal disclaimer? That, I mean, that's a whole conversation <laughs> to itself. We but don't have time. I would say, I mean, I, I'll, I'll just say this. I have to do a 50-state analysis fairly regularly. That, that part of tort law is evolving mm-hmm. on a regular basis in every single state and in other jurisdictions outside of the United States. And so it's not something where you can sort of rely on your knowledge of the law in a particular state from 10 years ago. Things are constantly shifting based on both common law in terms of enforcement of waivers, as well as just the way. So that it's the like a good, like a good lawyer. You're saying it depends. I guess where it depends. I, yeah. I guess where I was going is some people think maybe oh once you sign it that that gets you off the hook for everything, and I imagine that's not the case. That you still have to be vigilant about safety, no matter what it says. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And we would want to do that anyway, right. because that's just good taking care of our customers and yeah, taking care business. of our employees, yeah. because we would never want to expose our customers and employees to any sort of a risk. That wasn't something that is quote reasonable under the circumstances mm-hmm. uh, to bring it back. Yeah. And so what are you expecting in a Spartan race? Well, probably not a sheep wandering in front of you on the course. <laughs> so let's get rid of those. Are you expecting some pretty challenging obstacles and something that's going to be tough to navigate? Yes. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to play the sheep sound effect one more time. <laughs> it's just so much fun. Sheep! Okay. Enough of that. So tell us how, and we are up against the clock a little bit here with Deanna. And I want to make sure that we get out the info. Should people still continue to go to the Spartan race website and see like, do you have stuff scheduled for you know, next year? Yeah. Or, or what? We have stuff now. Oh, so I'm, I'm glad you asked. So we have virtual races that we've been doing and we've been able to get people motivated at home. There's a sense of camaraderie that we're trying to pull that sort of community mm. aspect into it by how we have a global uh, leaderboard and people can compete with each other. You can compete against your own times. And we're in the middle of our virtual race 2.0 right now. The first one was very successful. This one has a lot of different components to it. People can just sign up for one race or we're extending our battle mode option which through, I think, September 20th. And so you can sign up online. What, what, all what, mode, what mode was that? Battle mode. Oh, and yeah, like so you game. can, yeah, <laughs> you, it's really sort of gamifying the experience. Yeah. So you can do as many races as you want around the block in oh, your cool. neighborhood, um, in your backyard, that sort of thing. And it's, is it SpartanRace.com? It's Spartan.com. Spart- just Spartan.com. Okay. Just Spartan.com. And so we've got that. And then for those folks that aren't really ready to commit to a race itself just quite yet, but want to work out, we have a Spartan Fit app. which is both in the Apple and Play stores. And that's been huge for us. That's a new launch for us. And we're really excited about enabling people to train for something if they haven't been ready to commit to a race yet. Well, we will play a quick round of good stuff where both Deanna and I will recommend something good that will brighten your day, perhaps lift your spirits as this pandemic continues to go along. If the Republican National Convention didn't really lift your spirits, you know what? Let's leave politics out of this. Come on, (laughs) 
Come on, Dave, better. Before we get there, before we do good stuff, let me just take a minute to tell you what we do at the Boston Podcast Network. It's pod617.com. Would you like your own podcast? A lot of people are starting them up. Why? Well, you've got time on your hands. We've been producing remote podcasts ever since we opened three years ago, and so we've been adept at it. We'll send you out a USB microphone, a quality one, not one of the crappy ones. We'll produce your show from start to finish. If you work with us, go to pod617.com to get started. The Boston Podcast Network in pod we trust so let's play a round of good stuff that's the good stuff I'm going to let you go first, Deanna, because mine is a surprise for you. It's It's been especially selected for you. You'll, oh, you'll understand. exciting. You'll understand when we get there. So do you have something to recommend to our listeners? I do. So I am a longtime volunteer for an organization uh, called Girls Rock Campaign Boston. Ooh. It's a wonderful nonprofit organization that empowers girls and non-conforming, non-conforming gender kids of all ages to play rock music. And it's sort of self-esteem and community building through music. And it's a great organization. They have also had to pivot in the midst of COVID. Clearly, we can't get together the way that we used to anymore. And so I encourage everyone to go to YouTube and check out their content series that they've been producing on YouTube. And it's everything from how to tune a guitar to showcasing some of the kids in the after-school program and past camps. Uh, making some really cool rock music and I love together it. as a community. So uh, okay. Girls Rock Campaign Boston. Girls Girls Rock Campaign Boston, is that right? Correct. Okay, yeah. got it. And the, is that the URL, Girls? Uh... I think so, I'll, yes. I'll... I, I should know that. I should That's have okay. checked that before I plugged it. But um, Are you a big fan of the rock and roll yourself? I am. I'm a musician and I oh. have taken part in the Ladies Rock Camp fundraising component of Girls Rock Campaign numerous times. And so I think I've played every instrument but keys wow. through that camp. And normally I'm a singer slash guitarist. But oh my God, we buried the lead here. We should have <laughs> talked music. We can uh, do that next time. <laughs> uh, yeah, or maybe I'll have you on my other podcast, which is Past Tens, a Top Ten Time Machine. Pardon the plug, but we go back in time and talk about the top ten on a given day. A lot of great rock trivia and stuff like that. Hey. Did you see the Go Go's documentary yet? Not yet. All right. Well, you got to. I mean, yes. I mean, come on, it's, it's on right. My, yeah, on my to do list. Okay. Yeah, it is. By the way, girlsrockboston.org. Girlsrockboston.org. Oh, yes, so check that out. So for my and the time we have remaining in. The, my addition, my entry in good stuff takes us to, I think, New Jersey. Anyway, I'm going to show you a, I'm going to show Deanna, I'm going to share with the rest of you audibly a trailer for a documentary that I think it recently started on HBO Max. So I haven't seen this yet. So I, I it, admittedly, I can't necessarily recommend it, but it's called Class Action Park. And uh, the name is telling and appropriate for what you do, I think, Deanna. But let's take a little bit, uh, taste of the trailer. Here it is. There's nothing in the world like Action Park. Baby, let me take you, baby. Action Park. Action, Action Park. The story of Action Park is a true crime story. As you entered the park, you saw this thing. And you're like, this is real. The engineering behind this, if there was any engineering, was just nuts. 
build it higher, make it faster. People control the action. Combine that with liquor and anything goes. There were no rules. For a lot of kids, that was heaven. And if you couldn't swim well, yikes. I don't think you can understand a place like Action Park if you don't understand the kind of minds that build it. A lot of people wish they could ignore rules. Gene actually did that. Nobody would give him insurance, so he created his own insurance company and then insured himself. It did bring sometimes a criminal element. <laughs> I don't know how many people died at Action Park, but it wasn't just one person. No, it was like uh, 10 or 12 or... No, maybe it was like 6 or something. But it was multiple people that had died at this park. So it was a park... I, now, listen, I've never been, and, and as I said, I haven't... I'm just dying to see this documentary, so I throw it out there to let people know it's there. Class action. It wasn't class action park. It was action park in Jersey. Have you heard of this, Deanna? I haven't. I grew up in the Midwest, okay. so maybe I wasn't aware of you know all the amusement parks on the East Coast. But yeah, well, when in, uh, in the future, this is new to me. Yeah. That's interesting. In the future, when you're a law professor and you're teaching liability <laughs> at action parks and events and fitness events and all that, this will probably be a case study. Apparently, it's it was just I've read articles about this place that. It was an amusement park and then and a water park and like things like alpine slides and like tube slides, the water, the water slide things. But they would like go in a loop like someone once said, hey, let's have it go in a loop. Why not? Like what could possibly go wrong? And a lot of things went wrong. And they, they just it, it seemed like whenever they needed to fix something, it was always like duct tape. And, and so I can't wait to watch that. And you couldn't tell from listening to the trailer listeners, but a couple of those voices you heard are like actors and actresses that you probably recognize from stuff. I recognize one of those guys. from. The I will probably sit and watch it with a notebook and take notes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot there. <laughs> you'll Yeah, you'll either love it or you'll be like, oh, God, this is way too close to home. So, um, Deanna, I hope you had fun. You, you were an awesome guest, as I might have expected, as I definitely expected. Deanna Sheridan, who's the general counsel and VP at Spartan Race. And uh, it's Spartan.com, as you said. So go check it out, Future Races. I hope you had fun. Did you have fun? I had a blast. Thanks cool. so much. Cool. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to the Boston Podcast. Once again, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. If you dig us, leave us a comment or a review. Share it with a friend. And if you want your own podcast, go to pod 617com I want to go out and run in some mud and maybe even fall in some quicksand right now. Will you join me, folks? Virtually. Let's try that. On behalf of Deanna, Deanna Sheridan from Spartan Race, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston, but if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Enjoy the day, everybody. 